Hey, God is doing new things at Willow Creek. Are you with me on that? God is doing new things. We've got new people tuning in all the time. I was walking around in the crowd tonight at our live studio audience. I met someone who is here tonight for the first time. Yeah, we should give it up for that person. Am I right? I mean, that's pretty cool to show up first time. Glad to be here. And uh, her friend said, uh, you're here for the first time. And she said, this is our pastor. And the lady said, oh, you're Albert Tate. And uh, so that's never happened to me that I've been confused with Albert Tate. But I, I'm honored that that has happened. I figure I'm good as long as people don't start mistaking me for Megan. Okay. Oh, man, but it's good to be with you. My name is Dave, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is just so good to be with you tonight. Well, uh, according to New York Post uh, magazine, on October 15th, the most Googled phobia, phobia of the year 2020 is the fear of other people. It's anthropophobia, made up 22% of all fears searched nationwide. That is five times more than any other fear. And you go, well, of course, that makes total sense. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and so I'm afraid to be near other people. That, That makes total sense. But then I kept reading, and that's when it got interesting. Because in California, their greatest fear is nomophobia. You know what that is? It's a fear of having no cell phone. The fear of having, it's in the Google, so it's got to be true, okay? The fear of not having their cell phone. New York's most researched fear. It's called philophobia. It's the fear of falling in love. So you thought the New Yorkers were just being kind of rude to you. The truth is they were afraid they were falling in love with you, Okay? New Jersey is the most scared of the dark. Indiana is afraid of being alone. I don't know. Maybe no one's visiting Indiana. I don't know. Massachusetts is afraid of failure. Because Tom Brady left and they're afraid of failure. I think that's what's going on. So people are scared, okay, in 2020. And can we talk about the rest of the headlines this year? Can we talk about the murder hornets, folks? Do you remember these things that swoop in from the top and they decapitate their prey and they take the heads back to their young to feed on? That's scary. In September, do you know what happened in September? Researchers found a 2,600-year-old tomb at the bottom of a pyramid and there's a door. Now, what do you do? Do you leave the door closed or do you open the door? No, no, you leave it closed. Do you not watch the, ma- the movies? You leave it closed. They open the door. Guess what they found? Mummified crocodiles. Thank you for that nightmare. Like, that's what I need to be going on. And here's one last one. In October, this news story went viral. It, tens of thousands of year old worms were discovered in the Siberian permafrost. And scientists decided they're going to thaw these things. And guys, they came back to life. They are feeding and they are multiplying. Guys, do you want Jurassic Park? Because that is how you get Jurassic Park. All right? And guys, I wish these were the scariest news stories of 2020. But you know that there are other things that are causing anxiety and fear in this year. You know, we've had headlines around 
fires raging uncontrollably. You know we've had headlines around racial tension. It's scary. We've had rising unemployment. We've had a contentious election. And we've had, doggone it, I'm tired of coronavirus. Man, I remember, I know, God, please, please, please. I, but do you remember when it first came out? Like when, when it first started talking about it, I thought it was much ado about nothing. Because we'd had Zika and we'd had the swine flu and we'd had things that kind of scared us in the beginning and then it ended up being nothing. But I remember the day that my daughter called and said they were sending her home from college. And I thought, wow. And then the very next day they closed Disney World. And then after that they they closed everything. And I thought, man, this is, this is a big deal. And how many people are going to get sick? And, and what's this going to do for churches? And, and what's this going to do for the economy? And, and, and what's this going to do for our mental health? And the truth is, is that we still don't know. We still don't know the impact. And with everything going on, it could just sort of begin to feel like we're living in this strange world where nothing's the same and everything kind of spinning out of control. And the truth is, sometimes it just feels plain old scary. That's why I like Daniel in this journey series. The story of this kid that gets ripped away from his homeland, from his home culture, from his, his family and his friends, and he's swept away 720 miles to Babylon, into a foreign land, a place where he knows no one, where it's a strange land, where no one believed like him, where he wasn't the hometown crowd, where, where things seemed out of control, the future was uncertain. And so we started the series talking about how do you follow God in a culture that doesn't? And then Albert came and he talked to us about, you know, what do you do when you feel powerless in the world? And then Megan last week talked about how do we go through the, 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 the fiery trials of life? And so this week, we want to continue the series. And I just want to say to you this, that you don't have to be afraid. Even right now in 2020, with whatever we're facing, it feels like, you know, the country is fighting, it's polarized, it feels like financial situations are kind of shaky, health issues are weighing on you, facing an unscary future. The good news is this, you don't have to be afraid. If you have your Bibles uh, or a Bible app, I'm going to be in Daniel 6, we're going to look at Daniel and the lion's den. Now, if you grew up in church, there's probably a Sunday school teacher that told you this story with a flannel graph. Do you remember the flannel graph? But for those who are new to church or kind of new to the Bible, let me give you some background. Daniel was swept away into Babylon when he was about 14, 15 years old, but now he's about 80 or 90 years old. He's seen King Nebuchadnezzar rise and fall, King Cyrus rise and fall, and now he's dealing with King Darius. And so Daniel's actually experiencing the, the change of leadership. And we know what that feels like. We've experienced a change of leadership in our church. We're experiencing a change of leadership in our country and the uncertain feelings that that brings. But the good news is that Darius likes Daniel. Darius sees uh, exceptional qualities in Daniel, and he's going to raise Daniel up. He wants him to be sort of the vice president of Babylon. He wants him to be sort of in charge of everything under the king. Well, the rest of the officials see what's going on, and they're jealous. 
They don't like it at all. And so in verse four, it says this, at this, the other leaders, the administrators and the satraps, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. They tried to find something that they could accuse him with in front of the king, but they found nothing. Do you know how rare that is? Think about how scary that would be. The IRS calls and says, you know what? We're going to do a complete audit of all your finances for all of time. Or um, your boss calls and says, you know what? We found the hidden videotapes from you in college, and we're going to be reviewing those over the next couple of days. How would you feel about that? Or somebody says, you know what? We're searching your house under the bed, in the attic, in all the secret places. This is what we're looking for. Or, you know what? We just grabbed your phone, and we're looking at how you spend your time and what websites you're visiting. What would that feel like to you if somebody said, you know what? I'm going to be reading your journal this evening. My wife says, you know what? You're pretty nosy. Well, she didn't, she didn't say that. I actually read it in her journal. But she said, you know, I'm just kidding. Thank you. The question is this. What would it feel like if you knew somebody was doing a thorough investigation of your life? Because if you're, if you're hiding things, if you have secrets, well, then you live in constant fear of being found out, of being exposed. But Daniel, he wasn't afraid because he knew they wouldn't find anything. There were no skeletons in Daniel's closet. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will condemn you. Guys, Daniel lived a life without fear because he lived a life with integrity. He lived a life with integrity. Well, the satraps, these other leaders, they can't find anything to to pin Daniel against the wall to accuse him with, and so they come up with a different plan. They come to King Darius and they say, hey, what if we do this? What if we say from this point forward, anybody that doesn't pray to you, if they pray to anyone else, well, then let's execute them. In fact, we've got that old lion's den out back. We We can use that. Now, this strokes Darius's ego. He likes this idea, and so he issues a decree, and once he issues a decree, it becomes law. He's not thinking about his friend Daniel. He's not thinking about the fact that this is basically a death sentence for his friend Daniel. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, and he knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room. With its, op- with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Now, Daniel knows he's facing a den of lions. He knows that by law, once the king signs the gre- decree, he can't go back. But Daniel doesn't run around frantically. Daniel had a practice of fear-busting prayer. Daniel wasn't scared because he had a practice of fear-busting prayer. Now, what is is fear-busting prayer? Because admittedly, we don't really know the words that Daniel prayed in that prayer. I mean, I don't know. If if I were Daniel, I'd be praying for like really small lions somehow. Or vegetarian lions. Or or Detroit lions. They don't really hurt anybody, right? (laughs) I live there. I can say that, okay? 
We don't know the exact prayers that he prayed, but we do know a few things from this passage. It said, quote, he prayed as usual and just as he had always done. It wasn't a haphazard thing. It wasn't just a reaction to the emergency. No, fear-busting prayer for Daniel is this habit. It's this practice that he'd come back to again and again and again, like training for a fire drill. He just comes back again and again. So when the emergency happens, he knows exactly what to do. You don't freak out and react emotionally. You, You respond strategically. You hear the king's issues. He's issuing a life-threatening decree. And then what do you do? Well, you bring it right to God. The king's going to do, I hear an emergency. I'm going to bring that right to God. That's what I'm trained to do. It's a habit for me. Rather than hearing the emergency and immediately freaking out and saying, you know, making uh, a rash decision that my mouth is going to fly with words of anger. Or I'm going to think immediately, oh, Oh, I need a drink. And next thing you know, I'm engaging in some escapism or some unhealthy habits. No, 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 no. I hear the doctor has bad test results. I'm going to bring that right to God. That's what I'm trained to do. It's the first instinct that I have. The boss says, hey, we're going to do some layoffs. Oh, I got to pray. I got to bring that right back to God. That kind of habitual practice is fear-busting Prayer. What else do we know about Daniel's prayer? It says that he prayed three times a day. Now we know the Jewish practice of the Shema is they would pray sort of a set prayer three times a day. Now is that what we have to do? No, we don't have to pray a certain prayer and we don't have to pray three times a day. The point is, is that he had a special time every day that he would pray. And if we're going to have fear busting prayer, I would, I would share that with you. Find a special time every day to pray. And carve out that time so that the distractions of life don't start squeezing out that very important time of prayer. I put it on my calendar. I've got it on my calendar every day, 6 o'clock. So when someone calls me and says, hey, can we do breakfast at 6.15? I'm like, I can't. I have an appointment with God to pray. Pray at a special time. Pray habitually and with a practice. Also says this about Daniel's prayer, that he prayed with windows open toward Jerusalem. Now what's happening there? I'll tell you, Daniel's praying with scripture in mind. You say, what are you talking about? Well, way back in 1 Kings 8, 48 and 49, this is when King Solomon is dedicating the temple in Jerusalem and he prays these prayers. Listen, when they Return to you, God, with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies. Where's Daniel? In the land of his enemies who led them away captive and prayed to you toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name. Then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. You see, when Daniel is praying toward Jerusalem, he's got this prayer in mind, this hope, this promise of God in mind that Solomon dedicated the temple with. Now, do we pray that same thing? Do we have to pray facing Jerusalem? No, the the concept, though, is that the point is that we want to pray with Scripture in mind. We want to pray Scripture back to God. I want to pray and say, you know what? God, you say in your word, that blessed are the peacemakers. 
God, you say in your word, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God, you say in your word that all things work together for the good of those that love you. And I'm praying those things back to God. Why? Because God needs to hear it? No. It's not like God's up in heaven going, oh, you know what? Now that you say it, that's a good point. I forgot I wrote that. That's not it at all. It's because you need to hear it. You need to hear those principles You need to hear those promises. They need to wash over you as you pray. And when that happens, the fear in you begins to be busted away. Pray with the scriptures in mind. Pray at a special time. Pray habitually and with a practice. And and then look at this. What else did Daniel do? He knelt down. He put his whole self into his prayer. Physically, what does fear-busting prayer look like? Just get your whole body involved. It helps you focus. And I pray, if I'm praising God, I might raise my hand like this. If I'm praying a surrendering prayer to God, I surrender everything to you, God, that I might hold my hands like this. If I'm praying a confession to God, or I'm begging God, or I'm crying out to God, I might just, just lay flat on the floor and say, God, God, I need you. I'm gonna bring my whole self to the prayer. It helps the fear to be busted away. And then Daniel prayed, Daniel prayed at home and upstairs, it says. In other words, he prayed in a special place. There's something about the environment when you pray that can help you focus. It could be distraction-free. There can be things about the environment that sort of, uh, you know, help spur you on toward the kind of prayer that you want to do. I had a friend that said that they like to go to a Catholic retreat center. Just came back this week. Said they love that because they have religious um, uh, uh, imagery around them. They're burning the incense. They've got the, the, uh, the stained glass windows and they just helps them pray. Now, does that work for all people? No, I grew up going to Catholic school. If I was there, I'd be thinking of nuns and yardsticks, okay? That would not be a good thing for me. But where do you pray? Some of you never, you never feel closer to God than when you're out on the fishing boat or when you're out hiking around in the woods. For some of you, you need to pray in a church. For some of you, you need to pray in your car, just someplace. Can we be real? Can we be real? Some of you have small kids, And the truth is, the only special place, the only distraction-free place that you can pray, come on, is when you run in the bathroom and lock the door. Am I right? Right? And that's okay. You can communicate with God, right? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a throne-to-throne kind of a communication with God, okay? And that's okay, all right? And then finally this. It says that he prayed giving thanks to his God. Now, this is interesting. In the midst of a death sentence. In the midst of a very stressful moment, it says that Daniel is praying three times a day and giving thanks to God. Do you know that we see this practice, this discipline all throughout scripture? You go read the Psalms, and I love the Psalms, because in the Psalms there are people that are praying and they're being real with God. They're taking all their emotion, they're just pouring it out to God. They're shaking their fists sometimes, they're, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're, they're, they're nervous, they're scared. But about halfway through each Psalm, there's this moment where it just kind of shifts. This moment where somebody says, but God, and they express thanks and gratitude and faith. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. Paul does it. Paul talks about it in Philippians. He says, when you're anxious and you're presenting your requests 
with God. He says, with thanksgiving. I'll do this every morning when I pray. I've got a little journal and, and just I'll list out five things that I'm thankful for. Why? Because it helps bust up the fear. It helps me focus on the goodness and the greatness and the graciousness of God. So no matter what I'm praying, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to be presenting my prayers with thanksgiving. You want to live without fear? Live a life of integrity. Develop fear-busting kind of prayer life. And let's look back at the story for this last one. And, and, and while I go through a couple of these verses, I just want you to notice who it is that's really struggling with anxiety and fear. Because spoiler alert, it ain't Daniel. Watch this. In verse 14, it says, the king is, quote, distressed. In 16, because of his, his friend, his friend is going in the lion's den. In verse 16, it says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. In verse 18, it said that the king couldn't eat or sleep all night. He's in the palace. He can't eat or sleep. He's so upset. In verse 20, it says that he rushes out in the morning and he calls out to Daniel in a, quote, anguished voice. Verse 21, we'll pick it up. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. I'm still living with integrity. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. Do you see the powerful King Darius? The one who's anguished, who's distressed, who can't eat or sleep because try all the, the, try as much as he can. He can't change the situation. And then you have Daniel, who's not afraid at all. Why? Because he has trusted in the one who has the real power. He's trusted in his God. Why wouldn't he? I mean, why would Daniel be afraid to lose his position in the palace? Because he's already put his trust in the God that was able to take Joseph out of the pit and put him into the palace, to take Moses and put him in the palace of Egypt. So Daniel didn't have to be afraid. Daniel didn't have to be afraid that, that he might lose out on money or possessions because he believed in and put his trust in a powerful God that was able to bring manna to the desert for his people, to, to take the people of, uh, of Israel and usher them into a land flowing with milk and honey. He, he had been able to see uh, uh, the walls of Jericho fall down. So why would Daniel be afraid? He's trusting in an all-powerful God. He's not afraid to, to, to lose influence with his peers because for him, he's not living to please those people. He's living to please God. He's not worried about some, some earthly king with this kind of power. He's, he's living for a heavenly king who's all-powerful. He has put his trust in the one who has all the power. Let me ask you, what's keeping you up at night? What is it that you're distressed about? I mean, Darius was worried about his friend's safety. 
Are you worried about your loved ones? Their health? Their safety? Have you figured out what King Darius did that no matter how powerful you are, you you can't insulate them and ensure and protect them from everything that could go wrong? You're going to have to put your trust in something else. Or maybe like King Darius, you said something in a moment and now you can't take it back. Or you decided something in a moment and now you've committed this action and now the consequences are playing out and no matter how hard you try, you can't make a difference. You can't make it work. I mean, King Darius, he worked all day and all night, but it wasn't enough to make a difference. Guys, at some point, even kings realize they have to trust in a higher power. Even kings And if there's anybody here tonight, if there's anybody watching today, and you've not trusted Jesus as your higher power, to be your Lord and Savior, man, I want to encourage you to do that today. Because can I be real honest with you? We are in the lion's den. You say, what are you talking about? Yeah, in 1 Peter 5, right now, it says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to trust Jesus, all-powerful Jesus, to save us in 2020 from whatever. He's the one that can help us go through life without fear in our relationships, without fear of our financial reality, without fear in our careers, without fear for the future. Guys, when we get to heaven, and I, I, I kind of want to circle all up, and I want to say, hey, let's go find Daniel. And I want us all to come up to Daniel, because I've got a question I want to ask. Daniel, here's the deal. You, you write the book and you show us everything that's happening with King Darius. He's in the palace. He's, he's not taking entertainment. He can't eat. He can't sleep. He's just freaking out. He's distressed. He's all upset. He couldn't sleep. But Daniel, you were in the den with the lions. Did you sleep at all? Because I think Daniel would look at us and go, actually, if you live a life with integrity, you practice a fear-busting kind of prayer. And you trust Jesus with everything you've got, the one with the real power. Yeah, you can sleep like a baby, like I did. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, we entrust to you everything we are. We trust you, the all-powerful one. God, I pray that just now you would continue this message, not on a macro scale, not on a grand scale, but that you would take this message, Lord, the those that are listening, Lord, that we would be listening to your voice, that you'd open up our spiritual ears, our spiritual eyes, and show us what does this mean for us? God, is there some area of our life, some secret that we need to reveal? Is there somewhere we need to go to get help? Is there someone we need to say, hey, I, I need to get this off my chest? Father, give us the courage to take that step. 
Father, there are those of us who, in times of trouble, our instinct is just to work harder. Our instinct is to depend on ourselves, on our own power. Lord, help us to train ourselves to pray. Father, help us to come to you in prayer. And Lord, in the moments that we want to put our trust in ourselves, help us to trust in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.